0: This week on the Property Punks podcast, we sit down with Samantha Finlay, an exciting entrepreneur who has created an amazing lettings agency brand in Dundee. She talks to us about property compliance, what new landlords can expect from buying a buy to let investment and the marketing process. She even takes part in our property pub quiz. If you want to play at home, See how your answers stack against Samantha's. Hello punks, welcome to the Property Punks podcast. On this week's episode, I am joined by Samantha Finlay, who has a wealth of knowledge and experience in both personal and business banking, residential and buy-to-let mortgages, but she has also been running a successful property management company called Bridge Lettings. Samantha, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having
0: me. Brilliant. Samantha, like you, I'm very passionate about property. And not only have you got into the industry at a really young age, but you're also kind of faced with a set of challenges that would even be sort of alien to me. For example, you're a woman in business who is taking on an industry that is very traditional, something that doesn't really like to be taken on, for example, lettings. And I kind of want to begin our conversation there with, where did you get the sort of confidence to pursue to pursue? Sorry, a career mm-hmm. in property.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, well, I started my career heading towards property in finance. Well, I knew I wanted to end up um, in the financial sector of some sort, and then progress into uh, property from there. Um, so, and yeah, challenges, there, is, there was a lot of challenges as well, being a woman along the way, um, just from how we're, we can be viewed uh, in that industry in particular. And um, uh, so yeah, the confidence grew from knowing where I needed to start, I had to go at a lower entry level and work my way up and um, that came with time and just learning how to navigate working with different types of people, what kind of goes on, and so I actually started in TravelX, which was a foreign exchange company, and that was um, an advisor, just learning a bit about wearing the ropes and, um, you know, uh, just interacting with customers. And then from there, I actually became a manager within about six, seven months, but my boss was female. So that may have been helpful as well for me. Um, and then from there, I actually joined the Royal Bank of Scotland. So I joined there again, entry level into a customer advisor role for a couple of years. And, um, yeah, I learned a lot. So there was a lot to learn with products, current accounts, home insurance and um, general insurance and mortgages. And, um, it was great. So from there, I think just different interactions, good, positive, bad interactions, um, really helped toughen me up a little bit in that industry. And so and that helped me when for interviews and especially if it was um a male, which in that industry at the time that I was in, there was a lot of male managers. And um there had been, you know, opinions or comments um because of being you know, a female too. And uh, again, these, these interactions just toughen you up and you try again, you try harder next time. But and um, throughout I actually when I built that confidence, I was able to progress into better roles and bigger roles and became business manager. And um, from there, wanted to be a market advisor. But unfortunately, I wasn't able to study my map qualification, which you needed at the bank um, without having to apply for a job elsewhere, or quite far away, um, which wasn't really necessary. So I did that myself. And I uh, and then I moved into a mortgage advisor role. So yeah, the confidence um, just came from experience and dealing with challenges, trying not to get upset over certain interactions, um, and that's pretty much it.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. I love it how you talked about some of the challenges there because speaking to a couple of people within the industry, a common phrase that people say is resilience.
1: Yes, that's the word.
0: What does, uh, li- sorry, I yeah. what does resilience mean for you?
1: Um, resilience means knowing your own limits boundaries. And um, I think there's time where you've got to pick your battles. And, you know, you could fight with everybody if you wanted to, but it might not get you very far. And there are occasions where you do actually have to just think if it's worth it. Um, you know, for example, I at the time where I wasn't able to study my CMAP qualification, which does cost quite a bit and company can, a company such as a bank can put you through that without pushing you into a role that you don't want or in a location that you don't want. It's possible, but it's times where you have to just think it's not my moment and it's not worth it and it will not help my reputation going forward. And um, so yeah, it's knowing yourself, and having a long-term plan and not taking it personally um, even if it feels like it it's just a blip in the road is the way I look at it
0: and what I thought was really unique about you was that you had this background of being a mortgage broker and then you transitioned into the lettings, how did that sort of experience in mortgages help you in your sort of entrepreneur venture
1: yeah so being a mortgage advisor you are at the start of the journey for someone who whether they want wanting to buy a property for residential purposes or buy to let buy to let can be slightly trickier and there's a lot more um there's more eligibility around it and the criteria is a little bit trickier and then you have um other areas that come into which is HMRC sort of tax compliance um and that could be quite complicated so um yeah it's it's a big learning curve um but i feel like once you're at the start of the journey you can educate someone so much better um for example if i have a client that comes to me who is currently going through a mortgage situation nine times out of ten they don't understand really what's going on um so i can strip it back and i've got the ability to do that and it helps me build trust and confidence and if need be, I can bring out other areas that can help them. And it's it's just for their benefit, really. And it's just me being nice and be able to help um, and grow my business and referrals, etc. Mm. Um, but it is nice. It's, it's good to have that start of the journey.
0: Now, what I was really curious about was how did your experience working as an emergency dispatcher during COVID prepare you for lettings?
1: Great question. Um, Just basically, I've learned you don't need to flap at any, every opportunity. (laughs) You um, just have to remain calm. Um, That was a very scary job, I'll be honest. Um, I don't know what's scarier, taking the phone call or being there. Um, But, yeah, that that actually helped me a lot, and especially starting a business. Um, It just helped me think through a process. So even if there is an emergency situation, whether it's with a tenant through the night or if it's through the day, or if it's something that's quite critical, like a flood, for example, it's, it's just thinking logically and not on emotions, um, as well and not worrying too much about, you know, for example, for me, I could easily quite worry about my business reputation and, you know, could that end up in a bad review, for example? But actually, you need to take yourself out of it and just focus in the moment. And so, yeah, that, that role did help me in many ways that I didn't think it would, or it's been quite a surprise for me.
0: One of one of the things that I picked up from there was 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 the skills. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm imagining a time that if you're a relatively new landlord or investor to the buy to let market, there's a lot of things that are quite scary. You know, whether that's refurbs going wrong, you know, tenants being difficult, uh, people within the industries just being challenging. What sort of skills would you advise someone who's a new buy-to-let landlord to really sharpen so that when they're going into the buy-to-let industry area, Uh that they can set themselves up for success?
1: Yeah, I think um, going back to being resilient, patient, um understanding what you're wanting to get out of your property um what are your plans what are your long-term plans going forward as well and it's being organized with that so do your research prior to getting involved and in whether it's going to let it out or you're just starting with a refurb and um, i would say you have to be patient that's the biggest one and um, if you're not sure phone different letting agencies different um, mortgage advisors for example uh, look at the government website you'll find so much information and you can piece it all together but it does take time and um, that's pretty much it I would mm-hmm. say it's the, the biggest skills um, and listen intently to to the advice that you're given and don't just take it from so one advisor for example just have a look around and see what everyone else is saying and doing. Um, and don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, you don't have to take an expert's word for it as such. You know, when um, you get a bit of a feeling, might be true. So, it's yeah, it's worth shopping around with that as well for advice. Mm.
0: And two of the things you said there, which I think are linked quite closely, you said patience and also not, not necessarily being emotional. Mm-hmm. I think those two are... are quite closely linked because I think you've got quite a lot of emotions when you're dealing with property. You know, If you're buying a property, you could be excited. If you're dealing with um, a refurb that's not going to plan, you could be stressed. Uh, You could be anxious. You could be all those sort of feelings and it's quite easy to kind of get caught up in it all. I get the impression that you consider yourself quite a logical, methodical, process person. Could somebody who's not necessarily like that still have success as a as a buy-to-let landlord
1: yeah absolutely and again that will come with experience and time and there there can be times where especially when it comes to emotion where you own a property and you've lived in it for a long time and or it's a family property that you've inherited and you're looking to let it out because it makes financial sense to bring some money in for cash flow reasons however that's a property that's been in the family and it's difficult to watch that um, go to someone else and there could be potential damage Um, and yeah absolutely and again it just comes with time that you need to then view that property as an asset
0: um,
1: and a business as such but yeah it's it's something that I would say talk to many other landlords talk to tenants Um, talk to different letting agents as well read reviews uh, look at policies and procedures get best practice and um, with with us at bridge letting we're about educating landlords and tenants so we will post top tips so whether that's landlords who are private or looking at tenant tenant find only services and they're left on their own to manage the property they can always call us for support or you know what would you do in this situation and we could give some support. But um, yeah, there, there are articles and blogs out there with uh, experiences from landlords' point of views and and they'll, tef- they'll tell you what it's like. So just talk to as many people as possible. Mm. But it is possible. If you don't have the skills yet, you will develop them.
0: And you know what? That, that actually brings me on to my, my next question. The values of your brand, Bridge Letting, are very similar to my own in the idea of that you want to be authentic, you want to be genuine. I noticed that you've been educating people on property scams. Why have you made this your cause to fight?
1: Um, I It's injustice and uh, I, I don't like to say that um, tenants in particular are... Out of pocket and it's it's in Scotland there are so many regulations so you have to be registered as a landlord the letting agent has to be registered and landlords do jump through a lot of hips in order to be registered and go through a lot of compliance checks and there are rules around deposits and they have to be lodged within a certain scheme um, approved schemes etc and um, I just don't like to see it and that just comes from my own Point of view, whether I was a letting agent or not, I, I don't enjoy seeing that happen or anyone to a pocket have a bad experience because then it it puts a negative view on letting agents or on landlords. Um, and yeah, I think it just comes from a good place from me personally, and I bring that into the company.
0: Well, now I really want to dive into some of the tips that you can offer new landlords or even. It, old tied and tried and true landlord as well um what must a landlord consider before purchasing a rental property in your opinion
1: um that's another good question i would say we have to consider financially whether it's worthwhile doing and responsibility
0: so just to sorry to interrupt there but what do you mean by financially is it worthwhile doing
1: Yeah, I would say rental yields and knowing the numbers when it comes to how are you funding the property. So uh, are you buying it outright or are you you going through a buy to let or do you have a residential mortgage where it actually might be more cost effective to do a consent to let um, where you don't have to go through the buy to let and it's not as strict when it comes to criteria. So do a little bit of research on that. and the other one that i've said which i think i've just forgotten there the other words but uh, um, doing the research their property so if it's worthwhile that way financially and um, the responsibility so basically what are you wanting to do with that property do you want to be hands on do you want to take care of the property and the tenants and are you capable of managing that do you know the rules and regulations? And do you have the time to follow that? Or do you need help? And do you need support from someone who does have the qualification does have the experience? Can this is their full time job, they can do that for you. And um, so responsibility, I would say was the biggest one, you have to consider that because if worst case scenario, you end up in a situation where you have rent arrears or a significant amount of damage to your property, how do you deal with that when you personally as a landlord, as a private landlord, don't have policies and procedures like a letting agent would or a company would? And do you know how the first tier tribunal works and can you put that together yourself? Because this is where it can become quite time consuming and it can be months down the line and you're still no further forward without getting anything resolved so you must consider the, the regulations
0: and so, let's just say a new buy to landlord they've just got their first property and they come to you can you talk us through the process of taking a property to market
1: yeah so if landlord landlord come to us um, doesn't matter where they are in their journey whether they're currently going through a mortgage application or not um, at that stage, we'll just wait until that property is ready. We'll go through the landlord identity checks, um, as normal to me and make sure they're all, they're fully compliant and that would be safety certificates, landlord registration. Um, and then from there, we will carry our rent appraisal reports that could be desktop initially to give you an indication, uh, do an inspection of the property, give you some advice or tips about decoration, for example, that can maximize the rental income um, or how that would affect prospective tenants and what kind of inquiries may come in, um, which could be all sorts. For example, if it's a shared garden, is there likely, would the landlord likely consider a fence? So by us doing the inspection, we can preempt these queries so that we're not going back and forth with the landlords. And from there, it is we take professional photographs, we mark on major property portals, and we pretty much do everything from accompanied viewings, have general chat with the prospective tenants, feedback to the landlords, um, and give our our thoughts and our advice. And from there, we select tenants together. Um, it is ultimately the landlord's responsibility, but we feel it's important to. To share what we think as well um and our experience and then it's the normal identity credit checks affordability checks references and checking them out and because i come from a banking background i'm very strict so i'm very cautious and i triple check everything which sometimes is good and sometimes bad for me workload wise (laughs) But I don't
0: mind it. No, I can totally imagine that being only a positive, Samantha. <laughs> um, you must be fantastic to go on holiday with. You must be one of those people that's got a planned itinerary and knows exactly what time the flight's at and where we're going. I think I could use someone like you in my life because <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit chaotic, to be honest with yeah. you. Um, what, what I think of, when I think of a letting agent, I always think of them as the person in the middle. You know, they've got to keep so many people happy. They've got to keep landlords happy. They've got to keep tenants happy. They've got to keep contractors happy. It's probably the million-dollar question, but how do you do it?
1: Sometimes you can't. (laughs) And I I would rather be honest and upfront, and it is what it is. So if there's a regulation, for example, I have had inquiries about wanting a tenant for a minimum of six months or 12 months. I would love to keep that landlord happy and say yes, we can absolutely do that. But unfortunately, we can't because there's the Scottish Government regulation, which we have now, private residential tenancy agreement, and that is a one month rolling contract, effectively. So we can try our best when it comes to tenant find, and discuss with the the tenants. You know, we're looking at the landlord would ideally like to let his property long term, but we can't enforce that and. I believe being upfront honest transparent it will not make everyone happy but that is the way it is and i'm i would rather that and please everyone and bend the truth Um, it's just not what our business is about and again it comes back to our values of that so yes it is difficult and um, we can't always we just smile
0: and that's good and that's sometimes all, all you need that's sometimes all you need um, tell me a little bit more about the, the PRT leases you mentioned it there mm-hmm. for somebody who's not necessarily too technical and maybe a little bit intimidated by the jargon would you be able to just give a, a, a quick summary of that particular lease agreement why it's important and how come it's the most common lease that we use
1: yeah so the private residential tenancy agreements PRT came out December 2017 so for any new tenancies after that time um, we go on to that and it does give tenants the ability to leave a contract um, with a month's notice, which gives a bit more flexibility for the tenant. Whereas the previous tenancies, you were tied in for a period of time, and if you, for example, six months, and if you'd left prior to that, well, you would forfeit um, the rental income, so you'd be due that, and so that's lost money. Um, and there were more rights for landlords under. The previous contracts. Um, and there are some tenancies that are still on it, and that's fine to proceed on it. But if anything changes or there's a new tenant come in, you must move on to the PRT. Um, and that's pretty much it. It just gives a bit more flexibility for the tenant. And I think we're finding that there are going to be quite a lot of changes happening coming up over the next few years that will go more in favour of tenants as well. Um, and so, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's quite a basic contract. And I think it's fairly simple and straightforward, this one now, whereas the other two, when I was doing my qualification, they can be quite complicated. Um, because they're quite similar names, you've got assured tenancy and short assured tenancy, um, and you have to be very careful. And if, as also as well, if you don't use the correct tenancy agreement now, I use the wrong one, it, it won't stand in a first tier tribunal, so you've got to be super careful.
0: And one of the last things I was really curious about is from the lettings agent perspective, what advice would you give new landlords who are looking to have their first buy to let investment?
1: Um, advice. I would say reach out so if you're going to before you even purchasing the buy to let or consider one reach out to as many uh, I would say, a handful of letting agents different areas to get a, an idea of how they operate what what the process is like you asked earlier and the costs and the fees um and look at the reviews again like i said um get an idea of what it takes to be a landlord. And although we we are effectively the middleman, what do we do? Because this is our full-time job um, throughout the week. Can, what kind of experience do you want? What, what do you want to get from your, your rental property? So you need to consider your own plans. When you do go for a mortgage appointment, you sit down with a mortgage advisor for two hours, which is quite long. Sometimes it can be a bit longer, and they're grilling you about what your future plans are with your family. What do you like to do? hobby wise etc it doesn't have to be as intense as that when it comes to a rental property but you really should think about long-term plans how long you want to keep it um what kind of tenants you want in it does that property attract those kind of tenants that you want um so yeah and uh, get rent appraisals that most letting agents offer free rent appraisals it's worth doing and getting an idea and you can get some comparisons and have a look at right move zoopla similar properties, whether you're going to furnish the property or not, and consider those costs involved. But also, if you are furnishing a property, it may have more demand, so maybe it may attract more rental income, but can you afford to do that? And is it worthwhile doing it in that area and that property? So, there's so many things to consider, but um, you will get support and advice from letting agents. And again, speak to anyone you know who yeah, is a landlord or has portfolio properties.
0: No, I think that's fantastic advice. And, you know, it ties on beautifully what we're talking about, about staying calm, not be too emotional, really hone those sort of skills before you sort of take the dive. Uh, there's always someone there to help you. Brilliant, Samantha. Thank you so much for that. It was a very insightful, even for myself, to learn a little bit, get almost like look behind the curtain of letting agencies and things like that. So yeah. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people benefiting from that. So thank you. Um, You're what we're going to do now is we're going to move on to one of my favourite segments. My property pub quiz. Um, it basically combines my two biggest passions, property and pub quizzes essentially. Um, I used to always get made fun of because I used to always be terrible at them and then I became a bit of a saddle and then started going to them quite regularly. I even had a rival group at one of my pubs where like we would almost have like when we walk in we'd give each other the eye to say oh yeah I know I know what's gonna happen here and um, I'm not we always played fair but uh, we definitely had that little rivalry how, how is your sort of pub quiz knowledge or should I say what uh, would be your mastermind subject? Mm,
1: that's a good question I'd have to say mortgages but that's quite a boring answer
0: I think that's a good answer that's a good answer <laughs>
1: Um, probably well, music, I'd say. Music. Yeah, yeah, I am quite competitive, but I haven't been to any pub quizzes. It's just something I've never done for some reason, but... Well,
0: actually, this is your first one. I mean, I, we're not in a pub, we're not in a pub, but this could be the first, this could be the one, and you could have your own team and have your own rivalry. You never know. You is this never. The start? Totally, totally. So... Everyone knows the rules, I'll ask a question, I'm going to try my best to try to help you out as best I can, and you just give us your answer for it. Today's okay. is lean towards lettings, so hopefully you can have your expertise knowledge. Hopefully don't get too worried if it's a basic lettings question, because I think you've done such a good job at selling yourself today that hopefully this can pay off in the end. Let's see. Yes. Okay, to begin the pub quiz, question number one, how often do you need to... Carry out a gas safety certificate on a rental property.
1: That's a great question because I was looking at this um, a couple of days ago. I was going to look at it a couple of days ago, and um, I believe it could be every two years.
0: See, um, I have it. I have it done like, as every year.
1: I was thinking that, but I thought it would be two. They're all so varied. They should all be the same, shouldn't they?
0: How do you how do you feel just on that subject? How do you feel about the regular certificates and checking of appliances and boilers and things like that? How do you see it from your perspective as a letting agent? Because that's a core part of what you do.
1: Yeah, this is why we have software. Okay. (laughs) So this is the main reason why. Also, another good good reason to have a letting agent is that we've got the software to take care of Mm -hmm. all the renewals and the maintenance that comes up. And insurances because they all have so many dates, um, but yeah, it, it can be quite tricky. And there are there is one in particular. Um, I think it's the PAT, the Portable Appliance Test, as well. That <laughs> it's a bit of a grey area. It's um, there's x amount of years that can be in a tenancy that I've seen be an old tenancy that you have that renewed, and then there's I've spoken to different contractors who have different dates. Um, but yeah, I don't like that area. Safety certificates are not fun for me, but um, just write all the dates down as soon as you get the certificates. And if you do have a software or you can invest in one, do it. It's very important. You don't want to miss that. And again, there's regulation around providing them when they're due in mm-hmm. X amount of days to tenants. And you don't want to find. No. Nobody, nobody
0: them. would want that. Perfect. <laughs> Brilliant. So, question number two. This one is quite interesting because it's a multiple choice question. So, what do renters say matter most to them? A what Yep, the question is what do renters say matter most to them? So, A a home office? B having outdoor space? C staying within budget? And D square footage, so how big the property is
1: it's a good one because they're all very important to me if I was a renter I don't know because now with the pandemic I think a lot of people appreciate the size of their property the office space and outdoor space so that's a good question I would probably say I'm going to go for outdoor space you know Mainly what? because I've had a lot of inquiries about outdoor space.
0: Okay, well, before I tell the answer, tell me, what? why do you think there's been a real demand for like outdoor space for rental properties?
1: I think pets. So okay. during lockdown, I think for company um, more so, and people just love their pets and they want a property. So maybe they've been in flat living and they're now looking to move out a little bit. Um, and yeah, I think that's why I've got the outdoor space. I know recently I've got Two little pugs in a property, and this this property suited them well. Had a little bit of outdoor space, and that was the main reason. It was for the pets. So that's, that's what I'm thinking.
0: That's interesting. That's interesting. Do you think that? Do you think that some tenants would favour a landlord who would accept pets over somebody who would not?
1: Yes, and okay. we do we do get a lot of inquiries regarding pets and they are very upfront and that's great. Um, but yeah, I I have seen more so now that there there are not really many restrictions with landlords or private landlord adverts that I've seen regarding pets. I think we're more open to it now since the pandemic, especially, and we have to be accepting. And I think this is a, a clause maybe that will be coming out potentially in a few years, perhaps. That we may have to accept pets in the property because we do have to consider that they're part of someone's life, and it could even be actually that not necessarily a pet, but a guide dog, mm-hmm. um, and we can't discriminate in those areas as well. So, yeah, I, th- I think that is a very important.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I would agree with you. And to be fair, all these made the list. You know, home offices after the pandemic there been a huge demand for having outdoor space, as you've talked about there. Square footage, having a bigger property, more space is important. But the answer was staying within budget. So tenants mm. are still, they still have their budgets, whether it's five, yeah. six, however much it is per month, they are really keen to, to get that down. But it was really interesting yeah. to hear your take on, on the pets thing. So that's something that I didn't yeah. think of there. Question number three. Location, location, location is a channel four program presented by Phil Spence and who else? Kirsty Elso. That's the one. That's the one. So that's the right answer there. I got one. Yes. Yeah, well, you know what, you're off the you're off the, the board. You got one on the board. You're out of the starting blocks. Um yeah. how do you fi- feel like those property shows? Do you feel like they represent the process <laughs> well? Do you think they're a good tool? Like what's your opinion on them?
1: Um yeah, I remember growing up, watching Location, Location, Location with my parents, which wasn't fun at the time. And who knew that I would be in that industry going forward. But um, it's representation, in terms of estates, I would say so for Location, Location, Location. The one program that I don't necessarily and hope that I don't experience is uh, Slum Landlords Nightmare of Tenants. I think that one is a bit extreme. And I do have my own opinions on there are a few factors there that could have prevented those type of scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I, they're great programmes. They they are educational, but you have to take them with a pinch of salt because regulations, again, can be different, especially in Scotland versus England, completely different. Um, I do get a lot of questions regarding, like, your some landlords and nightmare tenants like, you know, this happened and why was that it's like that really wouldn't actually happen up here anyway and then I had my own opinions of course so no, I think it gives letting agents or state agents a bit of a, I don't know a view that we're well, not in end, our jobs properly perhaps.
0: Well, well at the end of the day it's entertainment you know and so yeah. entertainment there's always going to be a degree of drama or anything whether you're watching location 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 love island x factor you know it's always going to have that element of jeopardy because that's what kind of grips us so those bits is a lot more exciting than just everyone ended up happily ever after so yeah maybe
1: i take it too seriously in that industry no i think that's a good thing i think that's a good thing i think (laughs) i'm gonna have fun when it comes to property anything else is entertainment but i take that seriously (laughs) Mm,
0: i think that's a good thing it's so good that someone's flying the flag Not many more questions to go. So, question four. What does the abbreviation EICR stand for? Um,
1: EICR is Electrical Inspection Certificate Report. Oh, wait. I think. Let me think about this. Okay.
0: So, EICR. So, you got the first bit right electrical. So, that's the E.
1: I I believe the I is inspection.
0: Okay. (laughs) Close.
1: Oh. I believe C in the art is that
0: certificate report. Very oh, close. Sounds a bit silly. No, no, I, 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 am almost attempting to give you it. I'm almost attempting to give you it. So it's electrical installation condition <sighs> report. That's So it. really close, really close. I'll give you a that's point that's
1: for that. That's, I think I deserve that.
0: <laughs> because I think, in RNG, EICR is just what we we, we throw around. It's just kind of become the norm. Just a name. Yeah, it's yeah. just almost like a brand thing, and. If you're becoming a landlord, these are the sort of things that you really need to kind of kind of be on top of, understand, get, because it'd be quite easy to fall into a false sense of security that I just bought my property, I found a tenant, I have done this. Compliance is a huge part, part of it. And it's not necessarily something to be intimidated by, because once you set yourself up with those processes and systems it can all kind of take care of itself but you look like you were going to say something to me there so tell me a little bit
1: yeah i was just going to say that it's funny when you have because these words are sort of like eicr epc and then in other terms of mortgages LTV. um what do they actually mean so but we know we need those words or whatever they are and that's another thing where i think it's it is important to to know what these mean and what is the breakdown of EICR for example and path testing um, and that again comes back to just educating and being able to when you do have a landlord that comes forward or is looking at research don't just go by the name and these words that are thrown around actually know what they mean and know what you have to do, who does that and are they qualified but yeah there's, there's so many words in the jargon that gets thrown around there's so many so many words, totally. it's hard to keep up
0: <laughs> yeah totally totally i listen i have enough challenges with like lol wtf like you know the more <laughs> I add into that it's going to be a bit, a bit more wild um how do you feel about so just to move on so i had a we had a recent one where uh a, a landlord was skeptical about the costs for some of these th- these these things because most of them are mandatory mm. do you have many landlords push back on this these sort of certificates compliance aspect to it
1: not really um and they do vary and if you have more than one certificate that you need then you usually get a discount um and they can be arranged through a letting agent you just got to be careful that some letting agencies may take a percentage of that as well that may be a further cost but not necessarily i think landlords in my experience do understand that it is what it is again and it is what they need and it is a cost that they have to absorb but they will have a longer term gain from their rental income and again that comes back to again knowing what your plans are and is it worthwhile because if it's a short-term let then you're going to sell the property and you've got tax to come off of that Um, was it worthwhile getting involved in the first place so um, no not a lot of pushback really and most of our inquiries again are longer term so it does work out, beneficial, cost effective.
0: Brilliant. Last two questions we have here. So what is the penalty fine that a landlord could face for failing to protect a deposit?
1: Oh, I believe it's three times the deposit amount.
0: That's correct three times a so not the best in safety certificates but i'll know that <laughs> well these well, this is also a really important part of it as well tenant deposits um yes. what's been your sort of experience about deposits you know safe deposits put them with a deposit scheme sorry mm-hmm. landlords claiming back deposits tenants claiming back parts of deposits could you mind just tell me of an inc- a, an incident or a challenge or a positive that came out of that for you
1: yeah. I mean, we, first of all, we take care of the deposits. So as soon as we receive funds straight away the same day. and if you are a private landlord, I would suggest as soon as you receive the funds, put it straight into a govern- government approved 10 deposit scheme. So you don't forget because you have to do it within 30 days of the start date. And um, the, it's great to have that. I think in the past, I was having a conversation with a private landlord who wasn't happy about the the rules around a tenant deposits in protecting the money um, because they wanted to be in control and they felt that it was taken away from them so if the tenant for example caused damage they were worried that going through the adjudication process it wouldn't reflect the amount that was retained wouldn't reflect the damage I think that was the worry there Um, however it is I believe it's positive to have a middleman, effectively, um, who is impartial and can look at the evidence, look at the inventory reports, and it's beneficial for both. It protects the tenant and the landlord equally, and I think it's, it's fair. But I have, I think, cleaning costs. I did look up some stats and cleaning is the highest um, percentage of deposits being withheld, and it could be quite a large a uh, number you know you can I had a personal a friend so personally I that I tried to help and guide through what you can do but she was a tenant and um, this this agency retained 100, 100 and something pounds and it was literally like a smear on the fridge or a little bit of dust but and then that equaled for some reason 100 odd pounds of cleaning costs but she actually hired A professional cleaning company for an end of tenancy to come in so that didn't happen and it still happened anyway and um so i said you know where's the inventory report there wasn't an inventory report and that's another i I would say mistake because if you don't have an inventory report how can you charge 100 pounds or whatever it is there's no evidence of what it was like before they could have been in a worse condition before or the cleaning could be worse um and so because of that and because i questioned the inventory report she went They went to education process and she actually got back her 100 pounds oh she didn't pay anything because there's nothing to rely on um but even if there was somebody can sit down there and have a look at that and say okay maybe not 100 but it could be worth 20 30 pounds and then the cleaning company can get involved and the costs could be, they could take on those costs, for example. So it's an interesting one. Um, yeah, it's, it's always, I think and I've heard as well, there's a lot of tenants who are prepared to just lose their deposit, which I think is quite sad and it shouldn't be the view that we should be taking that when we put a deposit away, just you will not get that back. You should be entitled to that back if, if, if you've adhered to, to everything.
0: Yeah, I, I no, I would agree with you. And just to add on to that, the, the fact around about an inventory report, why it's so important, you you have a checkout and an inventory, which should be at the beginning, and at the end of a tenancy. it sort of bookmarks it. And that is your safeguarding, that is your, you know, that is your one sort of bulletproof vest, if you will. Yes to help you out there. So it's it's vital that people do take that bit really seriously um uh-huh. and make it as thorough, make it as detailed as possible because that's going to help everybody in the long term. If you ever need to rely on something, that's the that's the document that you'll use.
1: That's it. Um because it will cover your meter readings, it's time stamped photographs. Um it, it goes into the nitty gritty of condition of walls, doors, areas I've never seen property before um,
0: that's how detailed um, it gets that's how detailed it gets yeah
1: every dust possible in that property is covered um but you will need you may but you most likely will need to rely on that when it comes to releasing deposits and again in a, as well um it can be quite expensive to have that done whether it's through a letting agency or you have independent companies who focus on checking checkout reports. But inventory in particular, I personally would say don't skip on that um, because it may just save you.
0: Totally. Last question. You're almost out the woods here, Samantha. You're almost out the <laughs> woods here. Question number six. What is the minimum amount of notice a landlord has to give a tenant to serve a section 21, which is an eviction? Okay.
1: Okay. Well, I have noticed there are a lot of, when it comes to evictions, six months seems to be the number. Okay. That comes across. Um, Can you repeat the question once more?
0: Yeah. What is the minimum amount of notice a landlord has to give a tenant to serve a Section 21? Now, this would not include, like, the court hearings. This would not be the the whole, whole minute. This would just be from... Issuing the letter up until the 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 next stage, yeah. I'm
1: stuck between one to three months.
0: You know what? Uh, Yeah, you're pretty much you're pretty much on it. It's two months, so it's bang in the middle of that two months. Two months of that. One's too short,
1: three's too
0: long. Mm. You know, evictions can be quite. they can be quite difficult for both tenants yes. and landlords and even letting agents who are kind of stuck in the middle. Some of them are not necessarily like the ones you, you kind of described with the TV shows, like the sort of slum landlords. They're usually not as dramatic as that. Um, yes, of course, there'll always be challenges between landlords and tenants. However, some of them are maybe it's just so simple, as like the landlord selling, you've got three months to vacate the property before we can then take it to market and yeah. three months, depending on what type of market you're in, could be very challenging for a ta- for a tenant to get a new property in that time. So yeah. there could be loads of other factors before you get to that stage of just like issuing an eviction. Have you had much challenges or dealings with evictions?
1: Thankfully not. Um, but if and we always are upfront again with landlords, um, not to scare them but I do like to be transparent with worst case scenarios because you just never know. And it's best to know from the outset and not panic. And this again is where the ambulance training comes in for me in particular to just say, actually, it's not as bad as you think. And it is a process that we'll go through together. And um, I'm not, like I said, I've had the experience, thankfully, but if I did, then we have the policies and procedures and it is a very, it can be a very black and white industry anyway and is straightforward from, again, issuing notices through to um, evictions. Um, so yeah, there, there's nothing really, you go through that to worry about. Um, and we, so there are a lot of landlord support groups as well that I've noticed on social media. So, which is great because you find that there are a lot of other landlords or private or letting agents like ourselves. So we will then, we will answer the questions the best we can to try and guide and help you, um, but it's, it's worthwhile that reading them, even if you're not going through that process or you're wanting to get involved in investment properties, have a look and see what challenges come, come up and it's, it's, um, it's almost like continued professional development, um, you'd get in your normal job and that's where I learn a lot of, a lot of things and I'll question it and I'll look up the policies and answer them. Um, but it does happen. Um, I do think though, some landers are a bit extreme, a bit dramatic. Um, I'll leave the drama to that program. I don't good,
0: think, good. does anyone want to take that on. Yeah, I don't think anyone wants to take it on. And thankfully, there's been no drama today, which is always positive. No. Samantha, thank you so much for your time. I feel like I've gotten a real insight, uh, not only into your own mind, but also into the world of lettings. And the fact is that if you are someone who's relatively new to buy to lets or a seasoned pro you're not going to know everything so it's great to have people like yourself to sort of rely on um I appreciate we may not have gotten through everything today so is there oh. anything you want to share any stories that you want to tie off with um I know you said you made a few notes that's why I was asking that so I wasn't too sure if there's anything that I've missed off
1: yeah our no I have um, our main goal at Bridge Lytton is mainly to educate all landlords and tenants um we, although our client base is landlords, primarily, so you can have tenants, we do support tenants and we are transparent with the rules and the regulations, but we actually post a lot of top tips um, to help and to educate around the private residential tenancy agreement. Um, we support landlords and tenants with free compliance support and advice. So um yeah I would say that you'll probably see us on social media posting a lot and answering your questions and don't hesitate to get in touch with us if you want help and we, we always put together an updated frequently asked questions. so that's what we're working on just now is um just educating as many people as possible
0: I love that I love that and if people did want to reach out to you what's the best method to do that
1: Yeah, you can give us a phone call. You can email us. You can visit our website or you can send us a DM, which is direct messaging if you're not up there in your LOL. If you're
0: pretty old school. Yeah, if you're old school.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you can message us. You can get in touch in many ways. Um, And we'll help you and we'll talk you through the process.
0: Thank you so much, Samantha. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Hi punks, Sebastian here, hopefully you enjoyed that podcast as much as we did recording it. We'd love to see you follow us on our Instagram page at Property Punks, and if you are interested in selling your property you can always check out our website PropertyPunks.com. You can also join our Facebook community page which is on Facebook at PropertyPunks. We look forward to seeing you there.